And remember, my friend, he who controls the spice controls the universe. Next thing they'll be breeding us like cattle. It's a man It can only be attributable to human error. Written with the finger of God. Hi, welcome to Film Talk for the Filmically Challenged the program that talks about films so that you can actually understand them. And I'm Ben Hodson. I'm Bryant Hodson. And I am Brad Hodson. And suspiciously, all of our names start with a B and have the same last name. And the reason for that is that we are all brothers. Yay. <laughs> So today we're actually going to be talking about Star Wars The Force Awakens and I'll kind of break it down a little bit with some initial thoughts, then maybe talk a little bit about what worked, what didn't work. And I also, guys, want to talk about some of the controversies that have been coming up lately about the film, uh, discuss a little bit. And uh, let's just kind of jump right into it here. So, Brian, what was your initial thoughts on seeing Force Awakens? It felt to me like a two-hour trailer. It felt like a fan film, actually. It felt like a fan film, uh, the, high, the biggest budget fan film that's ever been made. Yeah. To me. Well, I wouldn't say so much a trailer, because uh, that, that's more of the territory of, uh, what's the, what's the one that Bay. Ebert Mike always said? Michael oh, Bay? Oh, no. No, no, not even Michael Bay. Well, maybe, did he direct that? I'm trying to think. Armageddon. Yep, Michael Bay. Yeah, okay. So there you go. <laughs> Ebert always said that's a two-hour trailer. You can start from any point in the film and watch it all the way through in a loop back to where you were, and it's the same plot, same movie. It doesn't matter where <laughs> yeah. you start. It's people walking slowly with explosions behind them for two yes. hours. So I don't really put Star Wars The Force Awakens in that same category. That's pretty harsh. Um, but I, I definitely agree. see the fan film thing going on. Yeah. Brad, what did you think? Yeah, when I first saw it, I I did have the fan film vibe. Um, it, I actually uh, I don't know if my expectations were were high and they were never going to be met or something like that. But um, I remember Ben, you and I talked about it after I saw it, and we were thinking that there were a couple parts where we actually got kind of bored a little bit. Yeah, and um, and that actually was the most surprising thing to me about it. But that only happened the first time that I watched it. The second time, it felt like it flowed a lot better. I'm not sure exactly why. Um, but it actually felt almost too fast the second time I watched it. And I still think they could have added on an extra 10 or 15 minutes to it to kind of cover up uh, some of that speed and then some of the stuff that we've talked about, the plot holes and, and things like that. Um, but first impression was still it was in an ent entertaining movie. Yeah, I, I got done and I said, huh. I guess I kind of felt like this is a crowd pleaser for the generation that demands that we have the same thing repackaged over and over again and loves to refer to their favorite movie series as franchises. If that's not the most corporate ridiculous thing I've ever heard, <laughs> why does everybody use the word franchise? It's not McDonald's, you know? But but people are obsessed with just getting things repackaged to them over and over again. and. And so, for a lot of my friends, The Force Awakens was the best movie they saw this year. 
or last year, I guess, now. Well, and I yeah. think a lot of these sequels that are coming out and reboots, they, they, don't, they fail to capture the feeling of the original source material, right? And I think so that did The Force, Force Awakens capture the feeling? You know, I feel like it did, because it ripped off so much, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it didn't capture the soul, for some reason, of Star Wars, to me. Even though it felt like Star Wars... Uh, there was something about it that was soulless. It didn't have George Lucas behind it. Um, it wasn't bringing anything new. Or it was bringing some new things. I'll take that back. I don't want to be too harsh on it. I think but. that's, yeah, pretty negative, and I wouldn't go near that negative on it. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, I'm, the first thing I said when I when, I, when the credits came up, I turned them out and I said, wow, you can sure tell that George Lucas isn't involved anymore. You know, that's my first impression of it. Yes, and that, and then for some people, they would say, "Yes, the creator of this series, we finally got rid of him. Screw that guy that thought of all the ideas and made all these movies we love. Now we can do our own thing as fans." You know, that's kind of yeah, make it right the way it always should have been. Well, and yeah. why is that? Is it because George Lucas maybe did not understand why people were so drawn to four, five, and six rather than one, two, and three? Episodes one, two, and three. Does he not understand it? Maybe. No, I, I purely think that uh, it was a uh, producing problem with the prequels, if you want to get into that. But yeah. the, the, the issue was that George, on the first three movies, had massive resistance to his vision, and it forced him to make it better, and then people collaborated. I mean, uh, Irvin Kirshner made Empire Strikes Back to be the best Star Wars movie with his directing skills, but Lucas was there all along pushing ways and making it great and then he had no pushback in episode one two and three and uh, you know Rick was the biggest yes man producer ever and George wrote the script and he's not a great director nobody would say he's a great director besides American Graffiti and two, THX 113 I don't think his directing skills are that awesome and so it just fell flat but actually the ideas are pretty good there you know yeah I would totally agree with that and I think that that's the thing is, it's a testimony of how pressure can actually produce better results. How things like, you know, saying no or questioning an idea can make something a lot better than just, oh, this is the first thing that came to mind, or, you know, I'm just the one thinking about it and I throw it through and then everyone considers me a god, so whatever I say just goes. But having that, um, you know, kind of, Step-by-step, step, yeah, resistance opposition. along the way. Yeah, the opposition helps to, to kind of refine the process and, and come out with a better product. I think that's true across the board. Almost every time you can say that conflict creates great art, whether it's music and you look at bands who hate each other and then they make their best albums when they hate each other the most, you know. <laughs> it's constantly... And then bands that you say, well, that album sucked, and then they're all best buddies, and then nobody questions each other's ideas, and it just doesn't level to get to the level it should be, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, Brad, what was one of the things that really worked then? We That was pretty negative on Force Awakens, and I don't want to feel that negative about it. What was something that really worked well for you in the film? Yeah, so definitely the characters were very strong. I, the only character that really, for me, really didn't kind of connect, but it connected with everyone else that saw it, was Finn. And 
for me, I do enjoy watching him, but I thought he overdid it. Um, you know, mm. more than C-3PO did in the, the original trilogy kind of thing. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and I don't, I, I am still not convinced that his backstory uh, combines with his ending personality. I don't think that someone who was taken away as a child and reconditioned and, and re-educated to just massacre people. I, I get that, I think that's great that he didn't like his first mission and massacre and wanted to get out of it, but he wouldn't be that, like, you know, giddy Lucy. and, yeah, loosey-goosey and, and like, yes, I'm from the resistance, I'm from the resistance, you know? It's like, what? I, you, no, you're not. You, let, no, that doesn't jive. So no, doesn't I didn't work. have as much problem with his character once he got out of the Stormtrooper role because I was fine just dealing with who Finn was, but I had more problem with him and Captain Phasma and that whole yeah. thing. There's where you, you see 10, 15 minutes of screen time definitely got cut that would explain like why there's even animosity, why he's even feeling the way he did. It was so rushed, it just wasn't believable. you know. Definitely. But the character of Rey was was awesome. She was yes. very believable, and uh, her character uh, gets you excited to see the future films. I mean, that's one of the main reasons I want to see the next one is to see what what's going on with Rey, what her origin is, and um, what she becomes. Um, so I love Ray as a character, uh, or I guess as an actress, she was amazing and sold everything because she's such a good actress and uh, very likable. But as a character, I guess, maybe I have some issues there because I felt like she was ultimately overpowered without explanation. And I don't need a long explanation of why she can do certain things, but I loved in Episode 4 how Luke sort of learns just some quick things about, uh, but being taught by Obi-Wan, you know, how to use the Force a little bit. And then his last move to destroy the Death Star is using that little bit of knowledge to give him, and he's very powerful, so he's able to use it more than maybe a regular Jedi would. But we don't have any sense of that. Rey just sort of comes up with ideas on her own with no training at all. And and the thing that killed me was the, uh, uh, the mind trick stuff. That... Like, how yeah. would she even know to do that, you know? So that was some uh, somewhat disappointing. Well, I would have loved I, to see it toned back a little bit for her. You I, know? I come from the Dragon Ball Z era where you just get more and more powerful characters the more you watch the series. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's goes true. Backwards. There's never weaklings after the first set of characters. <laughs> just ramp it up true. in intensity. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I... I, I I enjoy the scene. I think it's comical when she does do that, but it's not believably because it just comes out of nowhere. How would she know exactly right? Um, it, it requires the audience to have that knowledge that the Force is capable of doing that sort of thing, which requires you to having seen the other movies. If you haven't seen the other movies and you're just coming in this this one, you don't know that, and so that's bad storytelling right there. Well, Kylo Ren at the end, fighting him, and uh, she, he's had training. He's trained by Luke, and he's freaking, he's getting overpowered in every way by her, uh, you know, and it just never well, felt like she was really in jeopardy the whole movie, and I felt like that hurt the film a little bit. Yeah, but his character is yeah. driven by fear, so it didn't bother me as much. I could tell, like, every decision he made was driven by fear, which was an interesting twist on a Sith, or it's not Sith, but a... Uh, Dark side of the Force character. A Knight right? of Ren. 
Yeah, Knight of Ren now, right? But, yeah. yeah. I really do like that as well. But I think that I, a lot of people talk about that, how Finn and Rey were able to defeat um, you know, Kylo Ren. I actually am an apologist for that scene because we don't know how much training he had um, from Luke. We don't know how much sword play training he had, or even if he's a good swordsman. There's a lot of um, Jedi who aren't great swordsmen. Even Mace Windu, he looks pretty strong, but he sucks. He didn't win a single yeah. fight. And yeah. he <laughs> so, gets out. Uh, well, now wait a minute. When the big uh, Clash of the Titans, doesn't he come in and take out a couple? He takes out uh, Boba Fett's dad, so he does yeah, some yeah. stuff with it. You know? He does do one thing, yes. Um, yeah, so, but then at the same time, uh, you've got. He, he was shot by a bowcaster, which uh, twice they showed that that was a very powerful weapon and he was hit in the abdomen. So he was injured during the scene as well. Uh, so I yeah, kind of give no, them I, I get the idea. I just feel like it was a misstep uh, to overpower her a little bit, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, maybe they'll come through with some great explanation in the second one that'll make me feel a little bit better, but I, I highly doubt it. <laughs> you know, I think they've, yeah. they've got an ultimate force warrior with no training, and they're just going to have it even go more from there. So. Well, and have you heard some of the wild uh, fan fiction about, <laughs> about who Rey is? This is a reincarnated... Anakin, that's why she's so powerful. I'm like, what? Yeah. That, they're what? trying to explain why she's so powerful with all this wild stuff. Yeah, I mean, if she's from the Skywalker line, then we can understand there'd be a lot of ability there. I still feel like the it would be a more interesting character if she had to learn more. I One of my favorite things about Luke was watching him learn the Force. And uh, I, I wouldn't like Luke near as much if he just sort of walked out and knew everything instantly, you know? Yeah, so. exactly. Ray is really likable. Here's what I will say is one of the things that this film did best of all, maybe the best thing I think was the characters. Uh, really likable and I, I'm excited to see more adventures with them. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Even I, and they felt very true to their characters, even the ones that came back, right? Um, yeah. I I mean I Han was written like Han. You know, he spoke like Han. I loved I don't know if a lot of people loved this as much as I did, but I almost like laughed out loud with how true the Chewbacca felt when after Han was died dead, he or, he shot Kylo oh, yeah. Ren and then he and then he had just detonated the whole place and ran. That yeah. felt like a very Chewbacca move to me. <laughs> just yeah. blow this was, place up. I'm so mad. <laughs> that was the Berserker Rage incarnate. I loved it. Yeah. So anyway, I, I felt the the characters coming back felt very true. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with uh, with Leia having not received any more Jedi training that we know of, you know. Um, Which, yeah, because that's that. I loved how one person I read um, online put it, where it's like it's the one loose end that George Lucas left was an Empire Strikes Back saying no, there is another. Yeah, and yeah, one and day he will learn the Force like I did. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's like. What happened with that? You know, we have to finish that that line. You know, if if Luke isn't there, who's going to take his place kind of thing? And if Leia hasn't done it, well, that's a shame. That's a wasted opportunity. So this was a problem I had with all the characters. Their, their dialogue was written well, and they felt like themselves, but they felt like themselves 30 years ago. Yeah. And I said, well, there's 30 years of time. Why haven't we seen Han grow? He's still a smuggler, just barely hanging on, really. 
Uh, Leia's still a general. It hasn't moved up in position. I mean, shouldn't she 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 be running the New Republic? I mean, she was the obvious heir to the throne, you know, of the Emperor. Yeah. I don't know. And then why hasn't she learned? Why wasn't Luke training her? Why was, is she not interested in the Force? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's a missed opportunity. But I loved Carrie Fisher's acting. Uh, a lot of people yes. trashed on her. I thought it was great. So I don't know what they were I, looking for. Yeah, I think I a lot know. of people were disappointed with her voice more than anything. And that just kind of covered up every good thing about what she did. I think she was fantastic. I was disappointed with her lack of power in the voice, but I think she made up for it with her face and, and everything else that, that she acted with that just blew me away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Chewbacca, poor guy. I mean, he still can't be the captain of the Falcon after all this. He doesn't get a medal. <laughs> he doesn't get anything. It's just Ray's running the show now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> comes right in. Yeah. That's funny. A lot of people didn't notice that. That was the first thing I noticed. I was like, wait, why is Chewie still in the co-pilot? Shouldn't he run the Falcon now? And Oh, man, this guy. There's definitely a sense of I racism know. in this galaxy, you know? <laughs> I know, and he should have had at least, like, three kids now. Little Chewbacca's running around, little Ewok things. Oh, no. The problem <laughs> is he didn't get back for the Christmas special, and, you know. Exactly. Yeah. They're all estranged. So uh, let's talk about um, a few things that maybe did work for you here. I guess we've kind of been going back and forth. Brian, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I loved Kylo Ren. Um, the fact that, as I mentioned before, he's driven by fear, which is an interesting twist. Um, and it seems like he, from what I gather, he joined the dark side because of fear. You know, fear that he wouldn't be as powerful as as Darth Vader, his grandfather. Um, but I I love that scene where he's trying to read Ray's mind and then she reads his, and it's a very interesting character reveal right there in just that one sentence, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I love that he's tempted by the light side, which, the, you know, <laughs> that's an interesting twist. Uh, yeah. He's, he feels like he's being pulled into the light and he doesn't want to go there. and. Uh, <laughs> so I, I just found his character to be interesting. And they did that kind of twist on uh, on the what you'd expect with even, you know, with Finn. It's uh, in the episode four, you've got the good guys dressed up like stormtroopers. Now you have the stormtrooper dressed up like a good guy. And so it's... <laughs> well, this is more to your point of they just copied everything or tweaked it a little bit so everybody, you know, is nostalgically... I think yeah. that was this film. It was a way to bind people nostalgically to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, okay, so Kylo Ren to me is, I, I actually liked him. I, I think he's what Lucas was trying to do with Anakin and just failed. And uh, I put a lot of that on Lucas, but I put a lot of that on Hayden Christensen, who was not cast correctly for that role, you know. Should have yeah. been somebody else. But, um, But it worked really well in that way. I still thought gosh, I kind of felt like I've seen this all before. I would love Kylo to be driven by fear, but maybe react to it differently than a petulant child. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like that's how Darth Vader reacted to everything, and wasn't. I, I didn't want to see that again. But Well, that's how Anakin reacted to everything, but Darth Vader didn't react at all like that, which to me is the great disconnect. Well, I disagree. He, he, he toned it down, but he still... 
immediately when anybody failed him, he'd killed them. You know, he didn't. He just lashed out in rage. He didn't have a calm, like logical way of looking at thing ever. Even Darth Vader, you know. That is true. Yes, that is true. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, he killed every commanding officer. I never officer. thought about it that way, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe that's Kylo Ren. He's looking at it saying, well, Dad or Grandpa did it this way, and it worked pretty well. Just kill everybody who doesn't work out, you know. Yeah. But uh, hard to hire good talent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. we've talked about characters a lot. What did you guys think about um, things like the, you know, this new Death Star, right, that, <laughs> that appears and thing? You know, Terrible. I mean, Terrible. it's just we're going back there again, so, right? Yes, I yes, I thought it was a great backdrop to the lightsaber scene, and I loved how they didn't have to have somebody on either the Resistance or the First Order say oh, the planet is going to implode because now the the star power is released and we're going to have to escape in 15 minutes or something. You know, I loved how it just started to happen around them and it was just taken for, you know, it's given that this planet's just going to become essentially a star and they got to get out of there. Right. So I actually liked how that ended, but I wish they would have done something other than a giant planet-sized thing that can blow up other planets. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, this is a criticism of Return of the Jedi also. Uh, and, and Lucas actually didn't want to do another Death Star. It was something that was sort of pushed on him by fans and that sort of thing in Return of the Jedi. But uh, that was one of the few times that you can really see Lucas repeating himself in the whole thing because he hardly ever did. And then we get it again, and here's the scary thought. Next year we get... Um, the uh, Rogue Squadron, and guess what? It's about them stealing the Death Star plans. <laughs> oh, terrible. <laughs> you got to get out of this Death Star thing. It's killing us. Yeah, I was ho so hoping we'd get something new to see, and about the last 15 minutes of Force Awakens was the only thing new in Star Wars, really. The rest was just a kind of a rehash of what we've already seen before. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. I personally hated Snoke, and the more I think about him, the more I hate him. I think he's horribly designed and really boring character that I'm not interested in at all. Uh, he yeah. looks like Voldemort or something. It's just stupid, you know? It, Correct. So that was a big... A seated, shrivelly prune guy that just is super evil and super powerful. Like, we've seen it with the Emperor, yeah. right? I mean, and the, But the Emperor was, like... The little screen time that the Emperor had, you felt like this was a really bad dude. With Snow, you just feel like yeah. Ian McDermott just yeah. killing it, right? Yeah, loved it. I mean, it's amazing. You feel like the Emperor is like he is more powerful than Darth Vader, and we already fear Darth Vader. This Snoke guy, who the like, are you really that big? Are you a small, tiny guy that's just got a big complex or something? Like, what <laughs> is going on? I, I just don't get it. You know, it, it doesn't scare me. No, there was threat level zero there. And by yeah. the way, I, I just, as a side note, I have to say E. McDermott, who played the Emperor in Episode 1, 2, and 3, and also Return of the Jedi, saved the prequels for me. I mean, he absolutely is the, um, the MVP of the prequels. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> every time he's on screen, it's fun to watch, you know? He's just, yeah. he's like a stage actor going nuts on screen, and it's fun, but... Uh, I felt like Snoke wasn't anything like that. I don't know. He wasn't as interesting as Darth Vader or any of the other villains. 
huge misstep, and I would add Maz Kanta into that too. I hated uh, her. Her design sucked. She was so boring. I don't know. That I, was amazing. Everyone loves Maz. I don't I, know why. I'm a I'm a Maz fan. Oh, convince what? us. Yeah, tell me <laughs> what reason. Yeah. Well, I really thought she broke up the the tone and the feeling of the movie. So all of a sudden, it yeah, changed. Yeah, but you could have had a design character that did that too. That's not very yeah, much I'm, of a. I'm not. Her. I'm not going to defend necessarily the design of her, but I thought that uh, her character was needed in that part of the story, and I I thought she was fun. So that's just mm. that's just me though. I thought that her personality was interesting, and it was very Yoda-like, and that's probably why I. But um, but let me, let's compare it to Yoda because that's a great point. She is yeah. the Yoda of Force Awakens, and she yeah. falls flat on every level compared to Yoda in terms of right. misinterest in her, in terms of character design, in terms of somebody who's actually important to the plot, not just a plot device. So right. I don't know. I think she was a big uh, missed opportunity for me. I hope I we see less of her. But I did enjoy that part of the movie. So I, I enjoyed her character, probably because she was Yoda-like. You know. So yeah. I felt she was slow like she was like a character that they could have made to be interesting but it was just like it's not quite there it's like you know I kind of like the the eyeglasses thing it feels like a, an old serial type you know yeah. 80s sci-fi sort yeah. of idea but it's like they just moved too slow and and didn't go far enough for me I think if they would have like embraced that wholly I think they could have made it a much more interesting character, and she would have provided a lot more value. But the way it stands, it's like I really, you know, even you know her her huge importance is that she has the you know Luke's lightsaber, and then it's a throwaway line of, "Now that's for another day." Yeah, and I we oh. should talk about that too. But that's it's just hey. bad. That's bad writing. But hey, I'm trashing on this a lot, but I have to say uh, a couple of positive things. One, they asked for more time, and Disney would not give them more time. If they had six more months like they wanted, and the, and Force Awakens was coming out in like three months from now or four months from now like they would planned in the summer, this movie would have been way better, and it could have been as good as one of the original trilogy. Instead, it's just better than any of the prequels is kind of the way I look at it right now. The other thing I would say is that um, because they had such short time, you look at how well this film is made, like design-wise, uh, shot-wise, and frankly, the script is brilliant for the small... I mean, they wrote the script in like four months, if you actually count how much time, and it's amazing what they came up with. So, high, huge, huge kudos for what they had. I just wish Disney hadn't forced them into putting out this instead of getting it right, you know? Yeah, definitely. Now, nobody's complaining over there because this is the second highest grossing movie of all time worldwide. So, <laughs> so far. Yeah, so why give them more time in the future even? <laughs> you know, well, like... that's what worries me is to say, oh, the fans, they'll just come in for nostalgia even if uh, we put out complete garbage. Now, I don't think that Disney wants to do that, but we have a Star Wars film every year for the next six years right now. Do yeah. you, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm already feeling Star Wars fatigue right now. I'm like, oh, my gosh, everything is Star Wars online. I'm kind of getting sick of it. Gosh, how am I going to feel in three or four years? It's going to be like a Marvel movie. I could care less of it, what, what's coming out next. You know? Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm worried is burnout. So they're going to have to have some amazing writing and amazing directors and maybe give them a little more time. Now, to my point, we just found out that uh, Rogue got pushed, right? 
So is it Rogue oh. or no? It's, no, it's episode no. eight. Episode yes, eight episode got pushed eight. out by I think four or five months. I think even six time. months, maybe. Six months. I think yeah. it, was, it was a summer release, and now it's going to be December. So thank you, Disney. Thank you for caring enough about this franchise to try to get it right and to give the directors time to do something great. You know. Yeah. Seriously. One oh, one other thing that I um, kind of like you, Ben. You know, it's the the script is really good for what they had, but I think they could have done maybe a little bit better if they did have more resources. I don't know if it's the same uh, thing with this, but I thought that uh, the the music, the mm. first time I watched it, I was exactly agreed with you, Ben, that there wasn't a theme that you could come out of the of the theater humming like Duel of the Fates from Episode One. Everyone knows that song. Everyone well, and the music, the I'm not talking about just the, the, the melody. I'm talking about Duel of the Fates made that lightsaber battle epic and better than it should have been. And there was no music in there that, ma- that elevated it beyond what you would expect and what you've already heard before. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, but yeah, <laughs> and I listened to the soundtrack several times afterwards, and I still have yet to come up with something that I really love out of it. You know, it's it's yeah, much more complex music, but not necessarily better. Yeah, and I did listen to the soundtrack, and I, there it is beautiful music the way it is. I mean, if you can you can listen to it, and it does sound really good, but it's not iconic, and it doesn't maybe elevate the 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 situation like you would hope it would. Um, so that that was one disappointment for me, but still, it's yeah. you know it is a positive thing I think still for for yeah. music. But I I went out of it not even realizing there was music. I think which yeah. maybe maybe a good thing, uh, maybe what they were going for. But I remember go- coming out of like uh, Interstellar or Inception oh, yeah. and oh, being yeah. like that music was awesome. <laughs> just like, oh, yeah. that was so impactful. I just couldn't believe it. And and may, maybe that's a bad thing, that you're not supposed to recognize the music. I don't know what John no, I disagree. In is, Star you know, Wars, but... no. The music is, I mean, honestly, music made that movie twice as good. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and even think about the, the second trailer that came out for The Force Awakens. Yeah. I can still watch that after seeing the movie twice, and it still gets me pumped to see the movie again. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, yeah. beautiful. So I think they, you know, that was the bar that was set, and I, I don't think they they reached that bar again. So I want to talk a couple of controversies real quick as we're kind of wrapping up things here. So one, uh, I, have you guys been reading about the whole Ray uh, toy issue that came out? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian, you're shaking your head. Well, no, basically, basically what happened was that uh, lots of lots of uh, figures have been released into stores, obviously. But uh, Ray wasn't like a piece in the Monopoly game, you know, and she's like the main character. And so people were up in arms, and everybody, you know, typical everybody on the internet's offended by everything. There was all these long uh, feminist-related articles about it and everything. Um, any thoughts on that? <laughs> I, oh. I mean, do you agree? I mean, here's here's my first thought. My first knee-jerk reaction was. Those jerks, that sucked. Why didn't they do that? Then my second thought was, oh, wait a minute, when I was five years old, did I even have a Princess Leia? Oh, yeah, I had one. I never liked to play with her. She would always just sit over there. And it wasn't because I was some sexist little five-year-old. It was because 
I wanted to play with my characters that were exciting to me and uh, that were my same gender. That was what I was attracted to in terms of playing with, you know? So I, I don't necessarily think... I mean, I bet you... Uh, I know that they never said this, but I bet you there was conversations going, well, we want to sell action figures. Are we just making this because it's politically correct or because we actually think we're going to sell it a lot? I'd be really interested <laughs> yeah. to see what the uh, numbers are, and that's not politically correct to say, but, I mean, it's just talk about business here. Is it a good business decision to have her as a character? I don't know. And and that's the thing. If you take it from that perspective, they're making these games months before the movie's going to be released. They haven't seen the movie. They don't know who Ray is or what Ray does. They don't know that she's a fighter. They don't know if she's just there with yeah. a, uh, you know, it might be a walking stick. That she and that's it. Yep. Yeah, and so you don't know. You can just go off of, well, these are, you know, the things that we think are going to sell based on our um, you know, case studies and, and reports and things like that, and they just went off of what they thought would be marketable and, and sellable. I don't know. That's just what my assumption. I think the fact that they had a female Jedi that was so interesting and uh, such a great, believable, lovable character was such a smart decision of Disney, though. <laughs> I mean, and, and do they, you remember, yeah. Brian? Do you remember all the controversy when the casting was first announced? Uh, I was on Twitter, and everybody was going nuts. Disney, you you a holes! I can't believe you didn't put women in this movie. It's all men, you know. And little did we know the whole time that people were complaining knee knee jerk reaction that the main character was a female. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. You know? I know. But why I think it's so genius is because. Now they've got all the the wives of these nerdy Star Wars husbands and all the girlfriends of nerdy guys mm-hmm. excited to see it now. They, I mean, my wife is excited to see the next one. You know, yeah. she liked she liked the, this movie. She, I don't think she would have liked it as much without such a strong female lead. That's likable, you know. And I, I, it's one of the reasons I'm interested. It's one of the few unique things it really brought to the table. You know. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. Now. I would be interested to see what Finn's sales are because we're so obsessed with race <laughs> in this country. It would be really interesting to see because I bet you there's not a lot of little kids that are racist that are saying, I don't want the, the black character. You know, I bet he's one of the number one top sellers. It, oh, so yeah. it's not anything yeah. to do with kids' racism. I think it's purely business. He's a great character, and, and, and we, I don't know. Anyways, it would be interesting to see kind of both sides of the coin there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. uh, so I guess the main things that I see that, that this movie had to do uh, is it had to make Disney its $4 billion back, right? And check, we're on, on the road to do that. What are they, almost $2 billion now? Um, actually, if, if you count the sales of toys, they might have hit their number already on this first they one. Have, it almost yeah. looks like they underpaid George, you know? <laughs> they got a steal, yeah. Which, yeah. by the way, I gotta say this: George Lucas is the greatest guy, and um, he 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 gave all of his proceeds from the sale to charity. I don't know if you guys yeah. know that, but wow, yep. that's I mean, brilliant. Name anybody else doing that in Hollywood? You know, just on a whole nother level. And he didn't trumpet; he didn't tell people about it. Just sort of found out along the way. You know, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, uh, second. Disney had to capitalize on the crazy nostalgia, like everything's nostalgia in the theater right now, and to sell tickets, they did a great job uh, in that respect. That's one of our main criticisms, though, is it's so nostalgic, but it worked really well for them. And then they had to introduce new characters, totally think they, they killed that as the best part of the film. 
Um, and it had to be better than any of the prequels. And I don't know, <laughs> do you guys agree that it's better than any of the prequels? Or Oh, yeah. I'll give it a thumbs yeah. up. I do. As far Absolutely. As, uh, capturing the feeling of 4, 5, and 6 that we loved and uh, being good acting, you know, good writing. So I definitely give it the thumbs up there. Yeah. And having even the set designs and costumes feel really true to what the concept of, of Star Wars is uh, generally considered to be. I think they pulled all of that together really well to to kind of bring back what people were expecting. And uh, I think they captured the spirit. Uh, I know, Brian, you didn't feel they captured the soul, and and I'm kind of half and half on that one. I'm not <laughs> sure if they did or, or didn't, but um, I certainly felt that they did a good job. The, a lot of people are even thinking that the very first line of The Force Awakens is actually an insult towards the, the prequels. Um, I don't know if you guys have reviewed that in any way. I think I have it here. But Poe essentially basically says, um, this will begin to make things right, is his first line. No, Poe doesn't say that. That's yes, said by... Does. No, no, it's said by... Um, uh, oh, sorry, Santeca. Max von Sydow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Max von Sydow, yeah. Yeah, and so the the idea is that he's you know, <laughs> saying that we're going back on track kind of thing. I'm not no, I, sure. I, 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 don't you possible. think that was an obvious reference to that? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a dual meaning there. And I bet I bet you Larry Kasdan's the one that wrote that one. Yeah, that... <laughs> Who knows? But um, okay, so I guess the the kind of wrap up here is. Um, I walked away saying, yeah, I liked it, I enjoyed it, I felt like it could have been more, but I think the best thing Force Awakens did for me was make me excited to see the next one, because Dan um, Johnson is a great kind of visionary guy that I, I think can take us to places we've not seen before, and hopefully scare some fans a little bit, you know, that's what I'd like to see, is something so wild and out there that weren't sure if we like it. That's what Star Wars is all about to me. When I first saw Yoda when I was a kid, I was like, what? But, you know, it's one of my favorite characters now, so. Yeah. Yep, show us something we've never seen before. Take yeah. us to a new world. Um, and uh, if we're lucky, there'll be a Star Wars 10, and we can get David Lynch to come in and actually do one for once. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that would be unreal. <laughs> 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 For now, we'll just have to watch Dune and try to imagine it as Star Wars. Yeah, well, exactly. we got Twin Peaks coming out next year. I, and, you know, he's making that, that's a sort of separate thing, he's making that, at, like, I think a 14 or an 18-hour long movie and then cutting it up into episodes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lynch would do that. I'm surprised he's cutting it and just not making you sit it for 14 hours. <laughs> like, his... His DVDs he releases don't have chapters, you know, because he's a totally against it. You watch it all the way through. There's no... Yeah. This isn't something you skip around in. So That's <laughs> right. You don't skip it. to just the, the, the smile of Mona Lisa. You see the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's one... He's a guy who sticks to his principles. That's, you know, you got to give him that at least. So um, I guess my bottom line is I'm... Kind of, uh, I'm kind of excited to see where it goes next, and uh, I'm glad that George is done with it. Uh, not because I don't want to see more of what George would have done. I think he would have done even better with this film with a good director. I think if JJ and him were working together, this would have been out of sight. You know, give him three or four years to work on it, it would have been incredible. But 
they can't work together ego-wise. You know, I get that. And George is done with it. What I want to see George do is what he's been threatening for the last 20 years to go out and make those smaller, independent sci-fi type movies. I, I'm dying to see more stuff like THX 1138. He's young enough he can do it. I know he's totally burnt out, but I would love to see some amazing work at the end to prove to everybody he really is the genius that you know he's sort of gotten this bad name online about. So, yeah, I would love <laughs> here, that. Here, <laughs> love it. That'd be awesome. So, any other thoughts on Force Awakens before we wrap it up? Uh, I think I'm gonna go see it again. So, it, it, as much as we criticize it. I'm going to go see it before it goes out of theaters, right? So I yeah, enjoyed I saw it. it. Three times it I don't know if I'll see it a fourth, but uh, I liked it no. a lot. I'll go and see it again, maybe even next Saturday. We'll see. Um, but I, that doesn't mean I'm going to like Captain Phasma. No. Uh, well, we, we hope that right now Captain, Captain Phasma is the Boba Fett, uh, the uncool Boba Fett of this <laughs> a new series, you know, the character that gets two minutes of screen time and gets all these toys and everything made for it and does nothing really, you know. But this um, especially does nothing. Yeah, actually, but, no, but she maybe she's getting set up for something cool in the next one. I don't know because it, it seemed like a disaster. Uh, man, I gotta say that whole battle with the the stormtrooper that you know says traitor, you know, and he's got that electric uh, electric yeah. weapon. Yeah. Um, that should have been Captain Phasma all the way. At least we would yeah. have seen her do something. It's ridiculous, you know? Exactly. Yeah, that should have been her. Yeah. There's no reason why that shouldn't have been. Instead I... of just some random stormtrooper that wasn't even set up. Now, I bet that guy was like Finn's friend on his in his platoon, and I bet there were scenes with them that made sense later and would have given emotional weight to that instead of just being a random fight scene that made no sense, you know? <laughs> I've heard that in the book of the movie, it's explained who that guy is, and he is something uh, to Finn. So I guess, but if you're just watching yeah. the movie, which the majority, the vast majority of people are doing, not, there's no point. It should have been Captain Phasma there, and that would have at least given credence to her existence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I guess that's it for the first episode of the film talk for the Filmically Challenged. <laughs> We're going to do one of these. Uh, the plan is to do one of these every month, so look for it. And uh, you can follow us on uh, uh, crankleft.com, is where our kind of home base is, and also our crankleft for Twitter and also Facebook if you want to follow us and get the latest info on when the next episode's coming out. We'll invite JJ Abrams on for the next episode. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Although maybe we could get James Hong to talk one of these times with us. I wonder if he we oh, yeah. to get the guy in here. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thanks right. a bunch for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. We'll see you. All right. Thank you.